the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, in a few moments, we'll talk with Bishop Leon Benjamin. Bishop Leon Benjamin. Leon Benjamin has been for, let's see, five and a half years, a friend of mine, but for about five years, he's been talking about how men and women of faith who are caring, who care about the issues, need to get involved in politics. We've had him on the Pro America Report a bunch of times. Um, great guy, really charming guy. Happens to be African American. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. A Republican in and around the Richmond area. Well, he ran for Congress a few years ago. Didn't do very well two years ago, and he kept at it. And he's running in the fourth congressional district in Virginia against Congressman McEachum. I think I'm saying that right. And suddenly he's in a race. He's in a race. It's close. And he always thought it would be that way. He had faith in himself and God and his wife. His wife is lovely, his family. And so there he is. So we'll talk with him in a few moments. We also will have a visit, a great visit, with Raymond Arroyo, who is over at EWTN. But he's sort of even more famous now because he's on Laura Ingram a lot and Fox News. He's got a new book. And it's extraordinary. It's, 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 I've got to say it's a children's book. That's not right. He, he might call it a picture book. I've heard him say that in interviews, but it's kind of a combination. It's kind of a history, uh, book, but it's, uh, it's about the three magi, the wise men. And it's, uh, it's very, very cool. And it's from Sophia Institute Press, which we like so much. They do so many cool things. You're going to enjoy it, and you're going to really like uh, learning more about it. And we'll talk with Raymond Arroyo. Uh, the book, it, w- the name of the book is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Uh, very cool. So we'll talk with him. All right. But first, what you need to know, it's Twitter time. Twitter time with Elon Musk. Elon Musk has closed on the sale of Twitter, and he did what Sister Antona Ebo one of the early African-American nuns, Catholic nuns in St. Louis, who went through a desegregated formation. A quick story on this. It was, I think, the 1950s, maybe. And she uh, went to, into the convent, and they had segregated formation, if you can believe it. And the cardinal at the time, uh, I think it was Cardinal Carberry. I think that's right. Cardinal Carberry came to the convent and said, this is the last time I'm coming here to help out. I think they were doing solemn professions or something, until you integrate the convent. And they did. And she went through that process. African-American, she marched at Selma. She did all kinds of stuff. She's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. Wonderful, fun woman, born in poverty, raised in, a, uh, in sharecropping uh, conditions. Just amazing. And she became a great friend of mine and my family's. One time she came to my house in South St. Louis to see my kids and I to have dinner. And she got out of the car and she said, I'm going to pretend I don't see that. And it was a McCain uh, Palin yard sign because she was uh, quite enamored with the fact that an African-American was on the top of the ticket, although she was uh, not happy about uh, Barack Obama's positions on ab- abortion. But she was a lovely lady, a lovely lady. And, uh, and she came into my office when I was named the Human Rights Office Director for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And, and she walked into my office and she said to me, um, you have got this great position. It's a historic office. 
She said, I know you. I've learned about you. You're you're more conservative. You care about you know the kinds of issues. That's your job. You're put in that position. You should do what you need to do to lead. And she said, now, I'm going to tell you, I have my opinions. We should talk about it. And she said, but I'll tell you this. The number one thing you do, should do is the new broom sweeps clean. Now, this is an iconic 65-year-old woman sitting in my office, African-American nun. If she wanted to, she could probably make my life miserable. You know, she said she was going to be like complaining about me. Instead, she said the new broom sweeps clean. And when I said to the, about the office, I said the office, human rights office, had become focused on like international issues when we had issues at home. They'd become focused on politically left-leaning issues when we had more basic issues, moral issues. And so I focused the office on families, specifically on education, specifically on empowering uh, uh, school choice for kids. I focused it on pro-life, and I focused on engaging the community more broadly in terms of the life, the issues of life, uh, beginning of life, end of life. Uh, And so anyway, so we, we new broom sweeps clean. Here comes Elon Musk. He fires four of the top executives of, of Twitter. Now, you, he had to do that because if you buy a company, you buy, well, he didn't have to do that. Let me say it differently. If you buy a company that's run perfectly, that you love how it's run, you just want it to keep running. And sometimes you keep in the management team in place. But generally, if you take over a big kind of a public company like this, one that's well-known, if you don't replace the top people, you, you're not smart because they can't be on your side. So New Broom sweeps clean, sweeps everybody out, the big, the top people. And now we'll see what happens. And what you need to know is this is a great thing. It's a great thing because Twitter is a dominant factor in our lives. Now, you may be normal and not have Twitter dominate your life, but you're, I'm telling you now that Twitter dominates the narrative machine. The narrative machine is big tech, I always tell you, big media and big government. And when they work together to tell you a narrative, you can't beat it. You just can't be big tech is changing the neuroscience in your brain. Big media is brainwashing you and using all the technology and techniques to persuade you. And big government just has force on their side. And and, and American, good old-fashioned American constitutional respect for authority on their side, whether they've earned it or not, we still operate that way. So the narrative machine is dominant. But the largest portion of the big tech part of the narrative machine is Twitter. It's probably Facebook also, and in some ways it's Google, YouTube, I know. But Twitter shapes the narrative in that the people in big media and big government use it too. So if you were going to try to to, to shatter the narrative machine and force it to allow more of the voices that can get to what's really happening... Twitter is a great tool for it. You, by the way, you could have done it if somebody took over Google and you could get uh, Google uh, uh, to, to be more balanced or whatever. It maybe work. It could have worked. Facebook. But you couldn't get there. So what you need to know is this is a huge moment because whatever Musk does is going to change that environment. And if you think you see CNN, for example, changing their coverage a bit, they got rid of some of the sillier people. And they're, they're making no money. Nobody's watching it. They're trying to find a way to become relevant. And CNN, let me be clear, CNN is really relevant. Not for its TV. Cable TV for CNN is a piece of their puzzle. The largest piece of the puzzle is their website, which is, I think, the second or third or fourth uh, f- uh, largest website in terms of viewership uh, in the news platform, I think. So everybody's searching. And Twitter is saying, hey, we want to be a player in what's going forward. And what you need to know is 
both sides, if there are sides, both of the political uh, parties, both of the, how to say, both of the camps we've been driven into by the media and big tech and everyone are searching not for more camps, not for more division, but for ways to think about things that are different. For example, COVID. No matter who you were, left or right, pro-mask, anti-mask, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, at this point, on all sides, you don't trust what happened. You feel like you were misled, and you don't want that again. If No matter who you are, you don't believe what the scientists said, whether that's unfair to them or not, whether Fauci says he was lying to protect us, we don't want that anymore. And so now we're in a situation where Twitter is a tool. But let me be very clear. What you need to know is they will let us down. I don't think that they'll let us down the whole time. I think in the long term, it'll be a success. It'll be helpful for America. But it's not going to be perfect. It is not going to be perfect. And even as we watch, Musk and his team will release some of the voiced uh, political voices that have been held prisoner. You know, you got to figure MTG is coming back. Donald Trump is coming back. You got to figure that. I think Musk wants that. How he's going to limit the, the, the bad actors, the real nasty people, you know, that are, that are actually on there just trolling and, and, and actually looking to uh, spoil things. We'll see. But what you need to know is this is an exciting moment. And that it's happening two weeks before an election is really stunning. I don't know how that happened. I think the courts forced it because this, the, the, sale, the, the sale that hadn't gone through, the courts said, figure it out by, uh, by Friday, October 28th. And that forced them to do it. But my goodness, talk about an October surprise. It's, it's amazing. So I'm optimistic that the narrative machine is going to be challenged, but I'm not sure what it will yield yet. And you shouldn't be either. But we're in the game, right? We're, we're we the people. And when you see Musk say something about citizen journalists, if you're um, if you're James O'Keefe, your ears perk up, right? That's what you've been doing. But if you're normal Americans, your ears should perk up too. It's it's basically saying your voice is worth hearing. Your voice, maybe more importantly has a right to be heard, has a right to be uh, not silenced. And now we just have to exercise our voice muscles and make, make the voices, make our voices heard. So exciting times. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back, let's hear the voice of Leon Benjamin running for Congress. Great guy. And uh, wish him well and hear how the uh, race is going. I know he's going to say it's close. Uh, and I can see that. I've heard it from people. And then Raymond Arroyo, a little bit lighter fare as we head into the weekend. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Come on back. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Time to get an update. My friend, Leon Benjamin, who has been running for Congress for a while. Uh, it is uh, Benjamin for the number four Congress dot com. When he started running, everybody said, well, we'll see. You know, I mean, you're running against a guy. He's been in office forever and he's he's not uh, representing McEachin is not that unpopular. Uh, he's uh, OK. And and uh, Leon Benjamin said, watch this. I put my head down. He ran had fundraisers all across the country. People that believed in him. General Mike Flynn. I know uh, from uh, Leon telling me ages ago they were friends, but he's also endorsed him and done some events. And here we are a few weeks before the election. And suddenly the newspapers and the TV have discovered there's a race. Why? Because it's 
kind of close now and uh, nobody can find the incumbent representative mckeachin doesn't seem to want to debate he doesn't want to do anything he wants to hope that people uh forget about high gas prices high inflation crime everywhere so we got we had leon benjamin on the show before but let's get him back and here he is uh bishop leon benjamin congratulations first on on seeing what was possible you still got a couple weeks to go but this is all you worked for to get to this point to be in the game right i mean this race is now within striking distance who knows what the numbers really are so tell me about it yeah look god bless you so much ed i love you man uh you were just a great patriot and a friend and uh love the philly schlafly eagles form and all that it represents freedom liberty and that's what's going on in the fort people want freedom they're seeing it now. Their eyes are being awakened uh, to the atrocities of the Biden. I call it the Biden McKeachin administration because he is stuck to the hip. He has voted right in sync with Pelosi and the high gas prices, the inflation, uh, the high taxes, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just a cover up uh, for a five trillion dollar added to the already 30 trillion dollar deficit. Uh, it's it's all coming now to the surface, and the Democrats are going berserk, including McKeachin. He is hiding in his basement. Every <laughs> meet and greet, <laughs> everything we're doing, he is nowhere to be seen. And I think rightfully so. I mean, he's not even been voting. He's been voting proxy since March of 2020. He's not even been in D.C. He's been at home. I don't think he's well. And if he's not that well, even his own party is saying you need to step down and step aside. Uh, we're talking with Leon Benjamin. His race, again, is down in the 4th Congressional District in Virginia, which is around Richmond. And if you go online, Benjamin for Congress, the number four, congress.com, you can see that. And, you know, at this point in this election cycle, I tell people all the time, it's new races become possible. People didn't see them until you did. I know, Leon. But And now, you know, every nickel matters if people have a chance to give some money. If you're saying, well, my own race is safe, you know, up in Pennsylvania, I think Dr. Oz is going to be fine. I think another place well here's a place where you can go and support uh leon benjamin and get benjamin for congress.com uh how how does crime i mean when you and i first started talking about this race you said hey you know what ed one thing is he's just not showing up with our values i want to go show up with our values this is a while ago now we see two issues in my mind that have come and really the democrats pay a price one is parents in control of their kids health of their own health but of their kids health and of schools and then crime and people just are saying, I just can't stand this. And one side, them, has been for defund the police, McKitchen and others. You, they can't back away from it. How, how, what, are you, what are you seeing and hearing on the top issues for folks in your district? Well, people are afraid to come outside. Um, they, they are, they're afraid. Uh, they're, they're afraid for the children. Uh, uh, parents, uh, they want to have the assurance that when they dial 911, somebody's going to come out that can de-escalate the situation and, and, if necessary, take down the criminal. And that's law enforcement. Uh, that's not a peace-negotiating liaison <laughs> a psychologist. That is a real police officer uh, that has been trained uh, to detect the criminal and uh, understand the criminal mind. So th- everybody right now is seeing right now that the Democratic Party uh, has failed in their policies right now. And they want real solutions and they want it from a congressional level as well as state and local. But from the congressional level, they want to make sure that we're putting in policies that does not cripple and tie the hands of the police, like getting rid of qualified immunity, 
um, and and these uh, red flag laws that have no uh, really no concrete uh, uh, way of showing uh, that that you know trying to get rid of law-abiding citizens who should have guns. And McKeachin even said, "Look, send the National Guard doing all this BLM and Antifa rioting. Send the National Guard to take away the guns." from law-abiding citizens. He has no clue. They are totally out of touch. And and the people now are just saying enough is enough. I'm seeing uh, many Democrat, lovely, wonderful people, Democrats who are jumping the ship like the Titanic. They are jumping off so fast, Ed. I'm telling you. They, and, and, and we, the Republican Party, got to receive them with the light votes, with, with everything we got to embrace uh, every single swing voter, independent, Democrat, as well as I call them Republicans who haven't really been involved uh, lately in the issues, we got to be ready to embrace them and say, we have the real solutions. We want to lower inflation, lower gas prices, lower the food prices. We want to close the borders, get rid of the fentanyl that's been crossing over our borders left and right. I mean, Texas, my God help Governor Abbott right now. They have enough fentanyl in there to kill whole cities that are crossing over the borders. I mean, it's just crazy, and we've got to stop the drug cartel and all of the stuff that's going on right now all across this nation through the borders. Well, and, and Leon Benjamin is our guest. He's running for Congress, uh, BenjaminForCongress.com. And I think we can say this. I think we'd agree on this. I could say this. Both parties have failed to understand how serious – it feels and is for a lot of Americans. And, and so I think you and I would agree the Republican Party is better poised, embraces more of the values, so especially, say, on life and on on uh, on power, parental rights and things. But we have to say, hey, whatever's done in the past, it, it's got to stop. I mean, one of the good things about Leon Benjamin is he's not a politician. He's not even a guy that, you know, was the, the state rep or state delegate and then a state senator. He's a guy that said, I, I see what's going on. I've been a pastor, a businessman. I've been a speaker across the country. We've got to get solutions, and some of those solutions are hard, like securing the border, like you know, uh, cracking down on crime. People will be hurt. Illegal immigrants won't be able to come. I know they're people. I get it. You and I both would say that image and likeness of God. But we got to pick our families before we can save the world. And in our neighborhoods, we pretend that somehow being soft on crime is kind. It's not kind to the people. It's not kind to the individuals that do the crime. Nobody, doing evil doesn't make you better. So here we are. And I guess, Leon Benjamin, down the stretch here, the, the part of the real sale is you, you, you can't be of the swamp. Now, in two, four, six years, we'll all come get you and say, don't get you got swampy. Your wife will come get you first. I know. But, but right now, right now, it's really the swamp versus we, the people. And the people got to hear that. Yeah, drain the swamp. Uh, definitely is is on target uh, right now. Everything that's been going on against uh, law-abiding citizens, against MAGA Republicans, now they're calling it MAGA or MAGA. They don't know what to call them now. Right, you right. know, but we are the ones who not only just saying "Make America Great Again," not just wearing "Make America Great Again" and red hats and all. No, we really, ideally, understand the founding fathers, uh, what they really wanted for this nation: immigrants from all walks of life, those born or naturalized born. It's, it's look, this is a nation of ideas, capitalism, free enterprise, not Marxism, not socialism and all these other ideologies. We welcome the freedom of religion. We know uh, that my faith in Christ 
will not diminish just because I'm in politics. My goodness, my, my faith shapes my policies and, and there's no negotiating uh, with my faith. Uh, somebody else who's stronger than me, wiser than me, <laughs> bigger than me, <laughs> died for me. And no one here on this earth did that for me. Yeah. Jesus Christ, when he came to the earth, he did it. And he went back to heaven with his heavenly father at the right hand of God. So this is real, Ed. We are in it to win it. We got this. They can go to my website and donate and give, volunteer, knock on doors, make phone calls for me. This is the real deal. 12 days out. The number 12 is, is, is order. The number for government, 12 days out. Order. We need order back in Congress, in the House. Then we're going to take the Senate, and then we're going to take the White House, and we're going to make sure this nation is never, ever again on our watch, infiltrated the way it has been in less than two years under the Biden administration. Anything. Well, and, and, and the final thing I'll just add on that, Leon Benjamin, and we'll put up on social media, Benjamin for Congress. You know, it's a moment where you got to show up and speak up. I mean, it, I, I know sometimes it will cost. Some people will make you uncomfortable because they'll, they'll mouth back or whatever, but you got to show up and speak up. And one of the best ways in our nation, the best aspects of that is to get to the polls, get your friends to the polls, pay attention uh, to what's happening. So congratulations again on running for a, a year or however long, months and months months when people said oh i don't know how you could do that and now here we are and you're saying see i told you what was possible back then you didn't see but i see it now and let's go so good luck down the stretch we'll look forward to hearing more about it and god bless you god bless you ed i love you so much my brother thank you so much for this time thank you thank you bishop leon benjamin we'll put it up on social media check him out guys this is a place where people can really help send 50 bucks it's a a big deal make some phone calls a big deal so uh, please do that we'll take a break and we'll be right back ed martin here on the pro america report we'll be back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been looking forward to this interview for a while because our next guest is Raymond Arroyo, and he is someone who uh, everybody knows now, Raymond. Used to be famous. Now you're on TV, so you're even more famous. But he has a, he has a new book out, and I love this because I have a, a tie with the wise men on it that I found once on a, on a, a, like a, a, for a sale rack, and it's my favorite tie. And so the new his newest book, Raymond Arroyo, who's written, a, I don't know, scores of books on lots of stuff on on catholicism on faith uh and some other stuff too but this one is called the wise men who found christmas and it's fantastic they sent me a copy of it and it's on uh, now bestseller already on uh, on uh, amazon and everywhere you buy books so welcome raymond arroyo how are you ed my pleasure to be with you delighted to be with you so, so thank you first it's the wise men who found christmas and it caught me in, in everything that the great uh sophia press did which they do an awesome job i love them and uh, we encourage people to uh, Sophia Institute Press. Check out their stuff because it's important. They do wonderful stuff. But in almost everything they said, there's new historical evidence about the wise men. Now, this I need to know more about. Well, Ed, <laughs> Ed look, I've grown up with these wise men, as you and many of your listeners I know did as well. And everything it turns out that we thought we knew about these wise men is right. wrong. Right. The, right. The, the famous song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, okay? Yep. There were probably 
probably more than three of them. They did not come from the Orient. And uh, uh, newsflash, and I'm sorry to report this as well, but, um, you know, wait, three didn't come from the Far East. They didn't come from the Far East. And uh, and they weren't kings. Right. They weren't kings, Ed. It turns out the, from the very first century, and I stumbled upon this, Clement of Rome, Justin Martyr, who was writing at the time of Christ, he was a contemporary of Jesus. They all say the wise men came from Arabia. Well, once I read that, I said, wait a minute, L- let me dig into this a little more. And as I dug in, it turns out there was only one place they could have been. There was a kingdom of Nabate that controlled most of uh, Arabia at the time. Uh, they very likely were cons- consultants to the king of Nabate, and there were tensions between that kingdom and the kingdom of Judea, where Herod ruled supreme. So once I started looking into the political situation, the historical evidence, and then the archaeological evidence, it became very clear these were not your grandfather's wise men. And I set out to tell the real story, uh, situate them in a real political and and historical context, and suddenly the lights come on and you realize these are men on a mission, not only a religious one uh, called by something divine to go and find this Messiah, but a political adventure where they are dodging this murderous King Herod Mm -hmm. and uh, and their own political authority. So it's a really cool story. And uh, it it, to me, it lent itself to sort of a family uh, desert epic. And that's how I depicted it in this picture book. So the whole family can dive in. Yeah. And that's the thing I was going to say. There's a lot in there. It's it's not quite a picture book because a picture book has like eight words on each page. And this has a lot more than that. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I said the wise it's called the wise men who found Christmas. We should say uh, over and over again, your colleague on this is Diane LaFayre. My saying, oh, her name right? yeah, and an illustrator. Yes. It's phenomenal. It's really captivating. I, again, I have a, a great copy that they sent, but, but, and Raymond Arroyo, I should have also plugged up people again, you know, him because he's on TV now, but he's also, uh, I think he's a managing editor of, of, uh, of, uh, at EWTN yes. of the, uh, let me get it right. The uh, world over live, but also pl- contributes all over the place in lots of ways. It's important. Uh, but sure. now, now, um, the the our fellow Christians, Protestants, don't they don't buy the wise men like we do. Now, the wise men are in the Bible, but they're not named in the Bible. There's not much there. No, is that is that a piece of this, too, because in a way you're saying, hey, let's let's explore wh- even where this came from. I mean, and of course, before at the time that you're you're talking about sourcing, it's way before any Reformation. So it is sort of a unifying way to get well, to what was going on. Look, these are I, a friend of mine who works at Hallmark. They did a study and they found out the most beloved characters of the Bible after Mary, Jesus and Joseph around the world are the three wise men. They are the most beloved characters, even before Santa Claus across the world. South America, Central America, Europe, the Greek church, the Eastern churches, they celebrate the epiphany. That's their Christmas, the epiphany, the day that the wise men found the Christ child, January 6th of all days. Uh, That that is the (laughs) feast of the epiphany. So we're reclaiming January 6th, okay? <laughs> right, I'm, I'm glad but, to hear it. Thank you. What a, but look, we all should be focused on this. There's a reason. Only Matthew opens his gospel with right. these wise men. Right. They don't appear in any other gospel. Right. And by the way, it only mentions three gifts, not three wise men. So the, the Armenian and Syrian church said there were 12 wise men in their manuscripts. The Coptic church in Egypt, they said there were 60 wise men that went on this journey. So, uh, you know, if you look at the first 
spread of my book, I kind of wink and I, I fall on the 12 side. So there are 12 wise men on the rooftop of, of Petra in Nabate yeah. looking up at the stars. Only three of them are our primary characters, but uh, there, there are more implied yeah. there. Um, wh- why this matters? Matthew would not have started his gospel to the Jewish people, which is why he wrote uh, and just opened with some fairy tale. He did this deliberately. And I think it was to tie in the Jewish prophecies of a Messiah. His scepter will rise in Israel. Okay, and they took the star, perhaps, to be that scepter rising in Israel. They were waiting for that sign in the sky to validate the prophecies that they were steeped in. Now, whether they were Zoroastrian priests, which they may have been, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, who were familiar with the Jewish text because Petra had the largest Jewish community in the Middle East at that time, this kingdom of Nabate. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where things get interesting, Ed, and I don't, again, I don't get into all of this in the book, but it's in my author's note and I imply it. Yeah. There is a wonderful researcher. Her name is Margaret Barker. This is going to blow your mind. Okay. It blew mine, certainly. And oh, again, it opens up Christmas and the mean and why these wise men are so preeminent in our in our celebration and in our minds this time of year. She believes 700 years before Jesus, there was a first temple priesthood, the, the royal priesthood, Jewish priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. They were they were expelled from the temple by King Josiah. This is in the Old Testament. Yes, right. 700 years before Jesus. Where do they go into exile? They go to Arabia. They're here. They're in the kingdom of Nabate. Margaret Barker and other researchers and scholars believe that these are the descendants. The wise men may have been the descendants of that royal priesthood Ah. carrying on the old ways in Petra. So they have a religious motivation and impulse to find this Messiah. Suddenly, it all makes sense when you think of it that Mm -hmm. way. Um, Because people from the Far East, uh, people in far-flung Africa, they would have no reason to go searching for this kid. And then there's political obstacles. You know, there, there are many kingdoms in the way. Uh, of them getting to Jerusalem, to Judea. So it, it it only makes sense if it is uh, wise men from this region of the world. And by the way, the three gifts are a big clue too, Ed. Well, and, and I, by, by the way, let me pause. I, first of all, Margaret Barker, you, you, you'll know, but I mean, for people, and I'll put it up on social media, she's got her own website, margaretbarker.com, and she does mm-hmm. a lot of research. So that's fantastic insight too. Um, but you, you do really have to, I'm just being serious for a second, write a companion. Somebody to compile a companion sort of text because this is as uh, this conversation is as interesting to me as the book. The book is fun and fascinating and really feels sort of Christmassy and it's a yeah. way to get into it. But this is this seems uh, uh, more I don't know uh, broadly important to me. Uh, Raymond Arroyo, you is bet. Our let, let me say I uh, want to make sure discoverlegends.com is a website where you can see about the book itself. It's it's the book's website and and again uh, the book's title is the Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Um, and uh, the, and Ed, uh, pe- yeah. people can also go to RaymondArroyo.com. Oh, I'm good. on a book tour. I'm traveling the country between now and Christmas, so I hope people will come see me. But we also, we are answering your prayers, Ed. There is a okay. Fox Nation <laughs> Christmas special, a companion to the book called, funnily enough, 
the wise men who found Christmas, and we interview all these researchers, Excellent. biblical scholars, archaeologists, astronomers, to trace the real story of the wise men. So this is kind of the deeper dive into yeah. this story. My story, my adventure, was to initiate families into understanding and seeing these wise men in a historical context. The special will take you even deeper. Uh, now, I want to I want to ask you, Raymond Arroyo, last question on this. The book, uh, again, of people, the wise men who found Christmas, uh, RaymondArroyo.com. I'll put that up on social media to see where he's speaking. But uh, I want to challenge on this. If okay. you, one of the things about this that's fun is the pilgrimage idea. In, yeah. And for us, in other words, these, these yeah. uh, wise men said, we got to go there. And in a world where, and I think this is more common than people realize, the, the lockdowns and the COVID and the stupid social media makes it so a lot of people don't understand the need for moving from one place to the other place mm. intentionally. You, you go to meet mm. your friend, you go to your mass, you go on pilgrimage, and and pilgrimage history, this would have been, I, I don't know, tell me, was this is this the first pilgrimage? I think it is. Isn't this the first? Yeah, in some ways in some ways it is you're, you're really hitting on something and frankly i i've been pondering a lot as i've been on this book tour you know traveling around bringing <laughs> yeah. the story to yeah. people yeah. uh you're right the importance of going out and pursuing the truth and that's what the wise men represent to me these are men who whatever they saw in the sky it validated their deeply held beliefs and the prophecies they've been waiting to be fulfilled for generations and once they saw that sign yeah that was their moment to fly, to run, to chase the truth, no matter the obstacles. And let's face it, these guys, these are high stakes. This is life and death for these men, which I don't think we, we consider when we think of the three kings and the camels. That, that, that's all nonsense. In fact, the names, even the names, Mel, yeah. Melchior, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Balthazar, Casper, those are just reconfigurations of king in various tongues. Right, uh, right. Casper coming from Kaiser in the German. Melchior is a Hebrew derivation of king. Um, So, again, these are eighth century accretions and stories that that were attached to this tale. But when you get down to the heart, it is a pilgrimage and it's a pilgrimage of bold, fiery faith Mm -hmm. that carries these men across the desert. And as they found Christmas, I hope we can refind it and go on that same journey in other ways. And that's really why I wanted to tell this story. Well, Sophia Institute Press, the book is called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Uh, Diane LaFayre is the illustrator. It's phenomenal. Raymond Arroyo is the author. Uh, it's a great time. By the way, just to reinforce, I know you know it, but that movie Star that I think Oprah Winfrey produced, oh, yeah. which is really good. The thing my kids remember most is the wise men. I mean, the wise men were great, <laughs> funny characters. Right? Mm-hmm. Were, so you're, you're whoever pulled that or whatever tested that is right. Well, congratulations on the book. Good luck out on the road. And uh, we'll certainly be talking about it as we head towards Christmas. And, and thank, thank you very you, much. Ed. Thank right. you, Ed. And look, I hope everybody keeps their eyes like the wise men above the things of the earth this Christmas, yeah. because that's often where the greatest signs are and where your future lies. Yeah. So well, thank you. In Ed. a world, a world where there's so much chaos and noise, uh, this is that's a great message. Thank you, you Raymond bet. Arroyo. Uh, RaymondArroyo.com. Find out where he's speaking. He's a powerful. Uh, he's a powerful guy worth uh, worth going to see. So and go listen to. So and I will make sure we promote the book some more. And um, it is great. It's really fun and great for this season. And I'm glad I could get him on early in the season so we could talk to him. So uh, the wise men who found Christmas, Sophia Institute Press, it's great. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be
be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. You've seen his name on billboards, print advertisements, and television commercials. But do you know the real James Cash Penny, founder of the J.C. Penny Empire? He started out as the son of a humble Baptist pastor and farmer in Missouri, feeding pigs and selling watermelons in his teenage years. As his father was dying of tuberculosis, his father asked a family friend to give the young James a steady job. So James became a store clerk, earning $2.27 per month. Time marched on quickly, and so did J.C. Penny. He moved to Colorado, and he purchased his own storefront. He shifted to a new venture called the Golden Rule Store, which eventually grew into the J.C. Penny empire that we know today. One of the most remarkable aspects of J.C. Penny's legacy is not how he handled his power, but how he handled his principles. Penny was a Christian who considered his business the art of serving families, not the art of making money. Penny operated under a strict cash-only policy and never allowed debt of any kind in his stores. The cash-only rule remained in place until 1958, when his board voted to create a store credit card, with Penny himself as the lone dissenter. J.C. Penny once summed up his business philosophy by saying this, quote, The assumption was that business is secular and service is religious. I've never been able to accept that line of arbitrary demarcation. Is not service part and parcel of business? It seems to me so. Business is therefore as much religious as it is secular. If we follow the admonition to love God and our neighbors as ourselves, it will lead us to understand that, first of all, success is a matter of the spirit. End quote. Penny knew as well as anyone that there's no more a separation between church and business than there is a constitutional separation between church and state. Christian business leaders don't leave your values at the church house doors. Live out your faith like the great James Cash Penny. America was built for men and women who aren't afraid to stand on their principles. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Freedom of worship and the right to express our faith and read our Bibles is foundational to America. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to track mounting threats to the free exercise of religion and equip you to fight back. Your defense begins at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's say a, a thing or two to put it on the record about uh, violence. I, it doesn't need to be said, but we'll say it anyway, that violence is never okay um, in, in any context that we're talking about. You can say, oh, in a war or in, a, in the Revolutionary War, we're not there. And the idea that Nancy Pelosi's husband, we haven't seen the details yet, uh, was attacked in San Francisco, it's terrible. It's terrible. Now, before the media runs around and says how terrible it is, um, let's be clear on something. There's been violence against conservatives, whether uh, the pro-lifers and the pro-life clinics 
whether it's uh, Trump supporters. And that's just as bad as any violence against anybody else. But the idea of we'll see where the bl- blaming of this goes, uh, the idea that we're having blame a-, a portion, the people who have stoked the most violent rhetoric in the past year and a half are the Biden people, and particularly Joe Biden. When he stands in front of the stage and in, in Philadelphia with red and black behind him and military guys and calls Americans clear and present danger, that's what he did. He's inviting people to take things into their own hands. When he calls everybody else Hitler and Nazis, he's telling them, take things into your own hands. It's Joe Biden. When Nancy Pelosi and the gang start accusing people of the rhetoric, the rhetoric starts with Joe Biden. You, the presidency is the biggest position in the world for influence. The presidency, not the man in it. And Joe Biden has been a disaster on that front. Hateful. Hateful. I'm a big believer, not just in karma, but in judgment. And he'll stand in judgment for that in his, in his, in his spiritual life. But for now, peace. Peace be with you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our producer, and Joanna Spilger, our associate producer. We'll be back next week. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>